Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ...was found, and several of the neighbors went to take a view of it, and endeavored to try if they could trace any blood to the place where the murder might have been committed. But not succeeding in this, some of them, who were up very early in the morning recollected that they had seen Van Bergen and Dromulus coming almost from the spot where the body was found, and remarked that a light had been carried backwards and forwards in Van Bergen's house. Upon this the house was searched, but no discovery was made, except that a little blood was found behind the door of a room which appeared to have been lately mopped. Inquiry was made after Dromulus but Van Bergen and his wife would give no other account than that he had left their service, on which they were taken into custody with the maid-servant, who was the principal evidence against them. At this juncture the waterman who had carried Dromulus to Rothereth, and who had known him very well, appeared and was likewise taken into custody. On the trial all the circumstances above mentioned appeared so striking to the jury that they did not hesitate to find the prisoners guilty, and accordingly they received sentence of death. The prisoners were tried by a jury of half-Englishmen and half-foreigners, a generous and candid mode of proceeding peculiar to the criminal courts of this country. Dromulus, after condemnation and a short time before the day of execution, assured the ordinary of Newgate that the murder was committed by himself, and was preceded and followed by these circumstances, that Mr. Norris, being very much in liquor, and desirous of going to his inn, Mr. Van Bergen directed him to attend him thither, that soon after they left the house Norris went into a broken building to ease himself, where, using opprobrious language to Dromulus, and attempting to draw his sword, he wrested it from his hand and stabbed him with it in several places. That being done, Norris groaned very much, and Dromulus, hearing a watchman coming, and fearing a discovery, drew a knife and cut his throat, and thereby put an end to his life. In answer to this it was said that the story was altogether improbable, for if Mr. Norris had been killed in the manner above mentioned, some blood would have been found on the spot, and there would have been holes in his clothes from the stabbing, neither of which was the case. 
Still, however, Dromulus persisted in his declaration with a view to save the life of his mistress, with whom he was thought to have had a criminal connection. And indeed, he confessed that he had been too familiar with this woman. Mr. and Mrs. Van Bergen were attended at the place of execution by some divines of their own country, as well as English clergymen, and desired the prayers of all of them. Mr. Van Bergen, unable to speak intelligibly in English, conversed in Latin, a circumstance from which it may be inferred that he had been educated in a style superior to the rank in life which he had lately held. He said that the murder was not committed in his house, and that he knew no more of it than that Dromulus came to him while he lay in bed, informed him that he had wounded the gentleman, and begged him to aid his escape. But that when he knew Mr. Norris was murdered, he offered money to some persons to pursue the murderer. But this circumstance, which might have been favourable to him, was not proved on his trial. Mrs. Van Bergen also solemnly declared that she knew nothing of the murder till after it was perpetrated, which was not in their house, that Dromulus, coming into the chamber, and saying he had murdered the gentleman, she went for the hamper to hold the bloody clothes, and assisted Dromulus in his escape, a circumstance which would not be deemed criminal in her country. This was, however, an artful plea for in Holland accessories before or after the fact are accounted as principles. Dromulus, when at the place of execution, persisted in his former tale, but desired the prayers of the surrounding multitude, whom he warned to beware of indulgence in violent passions, to which he then fell an untimely sacrifice. These criminals were executed near Hartshorn Brewhouse, East Smithfield, being the nearest convenient spot to the place where the murder was committed on the 10th of July in the year 1700. The men were hung in chains between Bow and Mile End, but the woman was buried. Full account of the life, intrigues, and crimes, and etc., of George Caudell, who is executed at Stafford for the murder of Elizabeth Price his mistress. George Caudell was a native of the town of Bloomsgrove in Worcestershire, at which place he was articled to an apothecary, with whom he served his time, and then repaired to London, where he walked to several of the hospitals to give him an insight into the art of surgery. Having obtained a tolerable proficiency therein, he retired from London and went to Worcester, where he lived with Mr. Randall, a capital surgeon of that city. And in this situation he was equally admired for the depth of his abilities and the amiableness of his temper. Here he married the daughter of Mr. Randall, who died in labour of her first child. After this melancholy event, he went to reside at Litchfield, and continued upwards of two years with Mr. Dean, a surgeon of that place. During his residence here, he courted the daughter of that gentleman, to whom he probably would have soon been married, but for the commission of the following crime that cost him his life. A young lady named Elizabeth Price, who had been debauched by an officer in the army, 
lived near Mr. Caudell's place of residence, and, after her misfortune, supported herself by her skill in needlework. Caudell, becoming acquainted with her, a considerable degree of intimacy subsisted between them, and Miss Price, degraded as she was by the unfortunate step she had taken, still thought herself an equal match for one of Mr. Caudell's rank of life. This young lady now informed Caudell that a pregnancy was the consequence of their connection, and repeatedly urged him to marry her, to prevent her being a second time disgraced in the eyes of the public. Mr. Caudell resisted her importunities for a considerable time. At last Miss Price heard of his paying his address to Miss Dean, on which she became more importunate than ever, and threatened that if he refused to consent to wed her, she would put an end to all his projects with that young lady by discovering everything that had passed between them. It was on this unhappy occasion that Caudell formed the horrid resolution of murdering Miss Price, for he could neither bear the thought of forfeiting the esteem of a woman he had courted, nor of marrying her who had granted the last favour to at least one other man as well as himself. This dreadful scheme having entered his head, he called on Miss Price on a Saturday evening and requested that she should walk in the fields with him on the afternoon of the following day, in order to adjust the plan of their intended marriage. Miss Price, thus deluded, now thought the wound of her reputation would be healed, and on the following day she met him on the road leading towards Burton-upon-Trent at a house known by the sign of the Nag's Head having accompanied her supposed lover into the fields, and walked about till towards evening. They then sat down under a hedge, where, having spent some time in conversation, he pulled out a knife and cut her throat, and made his escape, but not before he waited till she was dead. Caudel, however, in the distraction of his mind, left behind him the knife with which he had perpetrated the deed, together with his case of instruments. When he came home it was observed that he appeared exceedingly confused, though the reason of the perturbation of his mind could not even be guessed at. On the following morning, Miss Price being found murdered in the field, great numbers of people went to take a view of the body among whom was the woman of the house where she lodged, who recollected that she had said she was going to walk with Mr. Caudell, on which the instruments were examined, and known to have belonged to him, whereupon he was taken into custody and committed to the jail at Stafford, and soon afterwards tried, he was found guilty, condemned and executed at Stafford on the 21st of July, 1700. Particulars of the life, atheism, and remarkable execution of the Reverend Thomas Hunter in Edinburgh, 1700.